Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by, with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you, and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Canadian History X. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. The predominant nation of Indigenous who occupied the area of Borden were the Cree and the Blackfoot in some cases. The Indigenous lived off the land following the wildlife as they migrated through, including the herds of bison that would migrate to the area through the year. Today, Borden sits on Treaty 6 land. In 1900, the village of Tomboka was formed near to where Borden is today. At the time, there were about nine Dukabor families living in the area, and the village received its name from the Tomboka region of Russia. The community would not last long, and by the time Borden was formed, it was already fading into history. The community of Borden was founded in 1905, but it was founded under the name of Baltimore. This would have to be changed, and Silverwood was chosen, but this too was vetoed, so a new name was decided upon. Looking at the name, it would be natural to assume it was named for Sir Robert Borden, who at the time was the leader of the official opposition and who would serve as Prime Minister from 1911 to 1920. In fact, the community is named for Sir Frederick Borden, the Minister of Militia in the cabinet of Sir Wilfrid Laurier. At the time, rumors abounded about the railway coming. The Borden history book, Our Treasured Heritage, would state, quote, First came the survey gangs, then the bridge gang, for the Big River required a big bridge with at least a half a mile of wooden trestle work. Farmers soon became adept at piling railway ties, laying them out, putting down sections of steel rails, and driving the spikes, all hard work with long hours, but cash pay saved religiously to buy supplies for the coming winter. End quote. The community grew rapidly and before long had many stores operating out of it. In 1910, Borden became the first community between Saskatoon and North Battleford to have electric lights. In 1906, the first doctor, Dr. Reynolds, came to the area. He was not licensed to practice medicine in Saskatchewan, but he would provide first aid and other services to settlers. In 1906, a family would move to the area of Borden and claim a quarter section of land. The father of the family was named William Diefenbaker, and with him was his wife Mary and their sons Elmer and John. It was John who had become one of the most important Canadians in history. First elected to Parliament in 1940, John Diefenbaker would become known for his fiery speeches in the House of Commons. 
1957, he was the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party, and later that year, he would become the Prime Minister of Canada. In 1958, he won the largest majority in Canadian history when his party swept to victory. Stephen Baker would remain Prime Minister until 1963. During that time, he would get the country started on the Canadian centennial to be held in 1967. He would appoint the first female cabinet minister in Canadian history. He would grant the right to the Indigenous to vote, and he would create the Canadian Bill of Rights. After losing the 1963 election to the Liberals and Lester B. Pearson, Stephen Baker continued to lead the Progressive Conservatives until 1967, when he was replaced by Robert Stanfield. He would remain in Parliament, 39 years in total, until 1979 when he passed away on August 16, 1979, only a few months after winning his riding and seeing the Progressive Conservatives return to power under Joe Clark. Today, a replica of the house that Diefenbaker grew up in on the homestead now stands at the Boredom Museum. Within the home, there are many items from the area that Diefenbaker and his family would have used during that time. It's also been furnished as it would have looked in the 1900s. The house was constructed by two local men, Graham DeBoca and Curtis Crabb. In 1905, work began on the Borden Hotel, a two-story wood-frame building that would be finished in its construction in 1906. Originally known as the Pioneer Hotel, it was built by William Shepard, an American immigrant who began to sell lots in the community. As the railroad arrived and Borden began to quickly grow, the hotel was built to provide accommodations and meals for travelers and residents. Today, it is home to the Roadside Inn, a great place to enjoy a meal while you're exploring the history of Borden. In 2008, the building was made a municipal heritage property. From 1912 to 1918, the community would go through a boom period. During this time, Borden saw its population explode in size as more people were starting to settle in the area. On April 14, 1914, the Borden Cooperative was created with 14 charter members who gave $25 each for share capital. This organization would prove to be very beneficial to the early residents of the area, allowing them to get what they needed for their farms at reduced rates, while also creating a common organization that would work for the betterment of Borden. For decades, the North Saskatchewan River presented a challenge to travelers in the area. In 1902, a ferry was built to allow for the crossing of the river near Borden. Before the ferry was built, residents had to work until the river froze to be able to cross it. Otherwise, it meant a long journey to another bridge. Sometimes residents would attempt to go across the river and there are many stories of people crossing with just the horse's head above water as they swam across. Once the ferry was built, it only operated in the late spring, summer and early autumn when the river was not frozen. By 1918, roughly 10,931 vehicles went across on the ferry and it was clear that there needed to be something new for the residents to use. While the ferry served a very important purpose, it was a slow method and as cars became more common, the ferry was not a viable option. In 1928, after over a decade of requests, the Department of Highways agreed to build a bridge over the river. The project was created as a make-work project to provide employment for residents during the Great Depression. Designed by Chalmers Jack McKenzie, the plans were originally drawn up in 1929 and it was going to be a steel segmental truss bridge. That plan was abandoned in favor of the more labor-intensive concrete bridge as it would provide more employment for local farmers in the region. Construction began on the bridge in 1935 and most of the workers were local farmers who used the money they made to help their families. Some skilled labor did come in from Saskatoon. The bridge would officially open in November of 1936 and over 7,000 people came out for the bridge opening. The bridge spans 65 meters with the structure length being 257 meters and still stands to this day.
Harold Bracken would write years later of his time building the bridge. He would write, quote, It seems strange now, in our age of commuting, that we would set up a campsite in the river flat only five miles from home. This was one of the first things we did in preparation for what we knew should be a two-summers work, end quote. Working during the summer was not easy, according to Bracken, who wrote, quote, The heat in the summer was almost unbearable for man and beast, but the cook no doubt suffered the most. No amount of breeze could cool off the coal and wood cook stove, and because the cook car was located in the river flats, there was even less breeze. The late fall was the reverse. On November 12, 1936, it was 21 degrees below zero. Needless to say, we nearly froze in a bunkhouse on wheels. End quote. For the next 49 years, it would be one of the most important bridges in the area for crossing over the North Saskatchewan River. In 1985, it would be closed to vehicle traffic, but it would remain open for foot traffic. A new dual-span bridge would be built north of the bridge to handle the traffic from the highway. The bridge would be sold in 2007 to Orville Middleton for $33,000, who had plans to turn it into an open-air dance hall, but this plan would not come to fruition. It would eventually be put up for sale by Middleton, but as of today, remains unsold. The year 1937 would prove to be notable for another reason, when a terrible fire broke out in the community, burning down the red and white store, the garage of William Bracken, and an apartment building. The fire was discovered by a Mrs. Busick, and the community of Borden responded with 50 people coming out to fight the flames. Unfortunately, the fire quickly grew out of control, and the decision was made to focus on saving the hotel and the stable, which were in danger. The fire caused $6,000 in damages, or about $116,000 today. Unfortunately, none of that was covered by insurance. On October 18, 1931, Borden would make news across the country when two men broke into the four grain elevators between 1 a.m. and 2 a.m., stealing $58. They would have taken more, but in the fourth elevator, Frank Fuller, the Saskatchewan Wheat Pool elevator agent, chased them off. Earlier in the evening, the men had attempted to steal a ride out of town. Due to the fact that it was the Great Depression, there was a large transient population in the community, and police would question all of them in regards to the crime. The men who committed the robbery would be sentenced to one year in jail. William Wallace, an American, would serve his time at the Prince Alfred Jail, while Mike Kosenko and James Van Deen would serve their time at the Moosonen Jail for Boys. This wouldn't be the only time Borden would make news that year. It was a disastrous year for the community when it came to fires. In the space of only one week, three fires hit barns in the area. In early November, the barn of Dan Krivosheen was burned to the ground, while a few days later the barn of William Dubkowski was lost. On November 12th, Bilkey's Hall was burned to the ground with everything inside lost, but thankfully insurance would carry the cost of the loss. Despite all three fires happening in the same area, it was never found out who started them, and they stopped almost as soon as they started. On August 22, 1944, Borden would be hit by another terrible fire that burned through the British American Grain Elevator building, taking with it 26,000 bushels of grain. At the same time, buildings owned by the Monarch Lumber Company and four tank cars were also destroyed in the fire. A slight wind was blowing away from the town, likely saving the community from a much worse fire. To fight the fire, a special train consisting of two water tank cars and a special crew was sent out from Saskatoon, and section men in Warman and Delmany were also picked up to help fight the fire. Unfortunately, upon arrival in the community, the fire engine had motor trouble, and it was not possible to pump water from the water tank cars. In the end, the fire cost $75,000 in damages, which would amount to about $1.2 million today. On April 16, 1966, one of the largest planes in the world, an RCAF Hercules transport that was flying at 25,000 feet, lost a cargo door. 
Everything in the rear section was forced out due to the pressure change and all of the electrical wiring was destroyed. Thankfully, the four crew were safely secured in the flight deck, but they had a rough ride for almost 100 kilometers. They flew over the north edge of Borden and landed in a belly flop style in a local farmer's field. It would take maintenance crews months to remove the plane from the field. The Saskatoon Star Phoenix wrote, quote, Lady Luck must have been hitching a ride aboard an RCAF four-engine Hercules. It was reported a number of people said they heard the aircraft passing over their farms and they just thought it was somebody driving into the yard. End quote. If you'd like to learn more about the history of Borden, then you should check out the Borden Museum. The museum traces the development of the agriculture community since 1900, and the buildings include an original one-room schoolhouse built in 1925, the aforementioned replica of the Diefenbaker Homestead House, an original barber shop, an original butcher shop, and a Masonic lodge that dates to the 1950s. There's also other handcrafted artifacts that depict times that have gone by. There's also two geocache sites, so see if you can find them. A new display that was just put in features handcrafted miniature buildings of early Borden on display in the Lodge building. Just to the north of Borden, you will find the Redberry Lake Biosphere Reserve. This UNESCO Biosphere Reserve covers 112,000 acres of land and water, with Redberry Lake at its center. It is one of only 18 UNESCO Biosphere Reserves within Canada, and it's the only one found in Saskatchewan. The area is unique in that Redberry Lake is a closed basin, which means that the water entering the lake does not pass out through downstream flows. The lake has a central flat bottom and is described as a large kettle hole. It's also a saline lake and provides habitat for nine endangered, threatened, or rare bird species. For this reason, it has been designated as an important bird area, and there are many bird-watching opportunities to be found by walking along the beautiful trails within the Biosphere Reserve. Borden is a friendly community located on Highway 16 with a school, preschool, two churches, a health center with a nurse practitioner, a credit union, post office, grocery store, hardware store, insurance broker, a convenience and gas outlet, and a co-op card lock as well as two hair salons and much more. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Borden, Saskatchewan. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D, Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W, Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseeth, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.